Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, April 4th, 2019, and today we're reading from the big book, and we are currently on page 18, uh, starting with the first paragraph, an illness of this sort, and we're going to read through two paragraphs, ending with, there are many. Today's readers, we have Kathy C. on the 12 steps, and we have Lindsay W. on the 12 traditions, and the readers of the text are Catherine C., Katie G., and Craig F. The share ID for yesterday, Wednesday, April 3rd, the 7 a.m. meeting is 12,737. That's 12737. And for the 10 a.m. meeting yesterday, 12,738. 12738. Um, also, we have our newcomer greeter, Elena A.M., and the host for the second hour is going to be Jen A. The OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public, public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states that each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the, to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So let me now ask Kathy C. to begin reading the 12 steps. Good morning, Kathy. And just press star one if you would. Good morning, everybody. My name is Kathy C. I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Montreal, Canada. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. We admitted, step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Step five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Step seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Step eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Step nine, they direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Step 10, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. In step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service, I pass. 
Thank you so much, Kathy. Okay, now, Lindsay W., would you be kind enough to read the 12 traditions? And Lindsay, go ahead and press star one if you would. All right, sorry about that. <laughs> Good morning. This is Lindsay W., compulsive overeater from Houston, Texas. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ spe special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. <clears throat> 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thanks so much, Lindsay. Appreciate that. Okay, well, here's how this meeting uh, works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then we stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic in literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive readers only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requiring requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. And we're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. If you'd like to share, press star one to unmute your phone. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying, I'm done sharing, or just say pass, and then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today we're going to pick back up in the big book. We are currently on page 18, starting with the first paragraph, an illness of this sort. And then Catherine's going to read through two paragraphs, ending uh, in there are many. So let me hand the baton over to Catherine C. Hey, Catherine. Good morning. And Catherine, press star one if you would. Hi, Larry. Can you hear me? Hello. I can. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Hi, everyone. My name is Catherine C. from Virginia. An illness of this sort, and we have come to believe it is an illness, 
involves those about us in a way no other human sickness can. If a person has cancer, all are sorry for him, and no one is angry or hurt. But not so with the alcoholic illness. For with it there goes annihilation of all things worthwhile in life. It engulfs all those who suffer, all those whose lives touch the sufferers. It brings misunderstanding, fierce resentment, financial insecurity, disgusted friends and employers, warped lives of blameless children, sad wives and parents. Anyone can increase the list. We hope this volume will inform and comfort those who are or who may be affected. There are many. (sighs) All right. My name is Catherine C. and I'm from Virginia. And the first thing that stands out to me is that even though this involves alcoholism, for so many years, I believe that food was different. Food does not affect the people around me. It doesn't. How can it? It's just food. But when I look back, when I look back at the past, especially the past six years, it definitely did. From the hundreds of thousands of dollars spent on treatment centers, from missing out on family events so I could spend the weekend just binging. From binging all night, my brother coming downstairs asking me to stop and me screaming at him and threatening suicide. My parents putting locks on cabinets and doors and pantries. People having to tiptoe around me constantly in fear that they trigger me. Me using my mom as a way to scream at her and ask her to take away this disease. I remember one time going downstairs and binging and my dad coming downstairs asking me to stop and me screaming at him. I couldn't stop and I wouldn't stop and I won't and I won't and I won't. The financial insecurity, the fierce resentment, the misunderstanding. I didn't understand the fierce resentment that this disease wouldn't go away and my parents wouldn't take it away. Financial insecurity, the hundreds of thousands of dollars on therapists and treatment centers and disgusted friends and employers. I couldn't hold a job. I would end up just binging and stealing food from my employment. Disgusted friends, I had none at some point, and warp lives. Um, and the, war, the, the line that really sticks out is engulfs all those who touch the sufferers. And engulfs means to, um, to surround or cover it completely. And my mind was completely engulfed by this disease. Every hour. I was obsessed with food, body, weight, exercise, but it also touched every single person I came encounter with. And um, with recovery, it's just a miracle. Um, I had my dad one call me the other day and tell me he is blessed to have his child back. He's blessed to have his child back. I'm able to go home and actually be of service. I'm able to actually be useful to my family. My family, I came home. I'm a student. I came home back to school for spring after spring break. And they every single one of them called me individually, thanking me and saying they missed me being home. And if that is not the hand of God, I don't know what it is. And with that I pass. Thank you, Larry. Oh, thank you, Catherine. Okay, so we're gonna um, we're gonna transition over to sharing again. Catherine read and shared on from page 18, the first paragraph, first two paragraphs actually. So, um, who would like to share 
I'm what was read. Marie J. Katie G. from Boston. Amanda B. Marie J. Okay. I got Marie Pam J. L. Kathy Marie. Amanda Pam. Charles H. Charles. And I got you in there too, Katie. Katie G. L. Yeah, I got you, Katie. Oh, Who's sorry, L? Larry. That's Christina okay. L. Okay, we'll stop there if we would. Let me tell you who I heard in my old age here. Not hearing everyone, but I'll see what I got here. I got Kathy K. got Marie J. I heard Amanda. I see Katie. I see Pam, Chuck, and Christine L. So let's start with Kathy. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, Larry, and good morning, everyone. Thank you for your service, Larry. It's Kathy K. Recovered in Boston. And I'm grateful to have the opportunity to share today, mainly um, to remind myself of how little I understood the damage. So, um, I just need to tell you guys about my little story. It was uh, I was masturbating to porn uh, in the lounge room. On my okay, sorry, I'm back. Uh, I, I was so unaware of the harm I was doing other people, really. I thought it was just my problem and my mood swings and um, my misery in resentment and fear. And um, it really wasn't until I did a, a fourth step that I realized the damage I had done to other people. Um, uh, it took me quite a while to see it in black and white and then to accept that this was a result of my disease, my twisted thinking, um, uh, and that that was definitely go traced back to my spiritual malady. Um, so even, you know, even after I lost the weight I needed to lose, um, which was not a lot, uh, I I could fall into thinking, okay, I'm here, I've arrived, I no longer have a disease that's hurting other people. But to this day, I still have moments where my humanness takes me back to a resentment that I haven't uh, taken to God and can therefore... Uh, say something I'll regret later to a family member or a friend or a colleague. So this parag these paragraphs remind me that the illness, in fact, is um, does touch everyone that I come into contact with. And as long as I stay spiritually fit um, on a daily basis and watch for those signs of discomfort and distress. Um, I can uh, stay in a place and return to a place where uh, my disease does not affect others or myself. I'm very grateful we have this solution. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Kathy. Okay, we have Marie J. followed by Amanda. Hey, Marie. Your turn. Hey, Larry. Good morning. This is Marie J, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. And uh, like the previous speakers, I came in thinking my food behavior didn't affect my family because what I didn't realize is that food was my solution 
and my eating was covering up my emotions and my my um, inability to deal with my life. And I lived in resentment then, just resentment. I was a victim, and my reaction to everything was judgment and control and rage and a whole list of other character defects that I've got. And I had small children. My kids, my boys were five before I got into program, and they were afraid of me. And my husband did not at all feel safe with me, and he couldn't be himself. And he was just constantly living on eggshells waiting for the next rage attack from me. And I think about that now and and what I did to them, and I can hardly read the words in this paragraph without, you know, just feeling sadness about this disease, you know, this warped lives of blameless children. And the miracle is, the miracle is I got in when my kids were five and I studied these instructions and I studied it with a sponsor and I studied it with you on these lines and I learned to surrender. And I practiced over and over, just like working, you know, in in a gym, building muscles. I practice and practice. And so long as I stay in such spiritual condition, I get to be free from this. I get to be free and recovered from those character defects and from acting out against those people that I love. So I get freedom from those behaviors. But I have to practice this daily and I have to keep building this muscle of acceptance and surrender. And I have to stay in contact. I have to stay in contact with people and I have to stay in contact with higher power through quiet connection through meditation or I'm going to lose it and I do fall on my face still now and then it's not as often but I have I have you to connect with when I when I fall out of connection with God and you remind me that this is a program of action and you remind me to ask myself the question where is God in all of this and you help to put me back into connection with the power that gives me the freedom And now I'm beginning to understand when they say it's simple, not easy. This is a simple instruction. Stay in touch with the power and you will have freedom, Marie. That's all I need to remember. And staying in touch with the power is also participating. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks so much, Marie. Okay, we have Amanda next, followed by Katie. Hey, Amanda, good morning. Hi, this is Amanda B. from Toronto, Canada. Thanks for letting me share, everybody. Um, you know, what I focused on is an illness and we've come to regard it as an illness. And I spend so many times, uh, you know, when I go back into the food saying, oh, I'm so bad. And anytime I say I'm so bad or somebody says, oh, I feel so guilty. I, I think to myself, yeah, this is an illness. And I've come to regard it as an illness. And it's taken me so long to say this is an illness like an allergy. I don't get upset. When I tell people that I'm 5'4", I don't get upset when I tell people, or when people see that I have brown hair. Um, and it's, it's an illness that I have. And when I look up the word illness, it says of the mind or body. And, you know, this is why I'm a thinker. And my thinking has gotten me pretty much zero here because this is a spiritual program. And what I've, I've come to see is that, um, you know, Everything in programming for me is nonsensical. You know, you have a problem, give up control. The solution, totally 
totally God and has nothing to do with anything I think of. But when I look at this as an illness of the body or mind, and my medication is to go to God, it opens up a whole new can of worms for me. So to me, this is so much about step one and step two. Step one being, hey, this is not my fault. It's my responsibility. And step two being like, okay, I've got a power greater than myself that can restore me to sanity, that can provide me in the next few paragraphs. It talks about comfort for suffering Um, and that higher power that I can connect with uh, can, can help solve that illness. And to me, you know, the, the second piece of that step two is that I can connect to the higher power, but I've got to believe that that higher power has got my back, that there's some purpose and meaning and benevolence to that higher power, or else I'm just really praying to myself and it's telling me here I have an illness. So to me, this is talking about shame, letting go of shame, accepting what is, and then handling it through an unconventional manner. Um, and the last thing I'll just say is that, you know, yesterday I heard, let's have, a, if, if you don't have a spiritual awakening, then you're just sitting around sober and you kind of missed the point, like don't get ripped off. So I, uh, I really just feel grateful to be here. I felt moved to share and uh, I'm hiding in the bathroom while my kids are watching TV and I feel so grateful nobody's interrupted me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Amanda. I do that. Um, okay, we're going to go to um, Katie and Gabriella G, and followed by Pam. <laughs> hey, hey, Katie. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, Larry. Good morning. Katie G, recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic. So much here. I mean, I can rattle off all the harms that my eating and starvation did to my family, like destroyed them. And it's the extreme point of selfishness to say that my eating didn't affect anyone as my parents watched the being that they created destroy herself, right? So that's that's just the beginning. Um, and um, what's coming to mind is all the damage that I did sober, right? So I get abstinent, I'm maintaining a healthy body weight, and I'm going to work and raging at employees, and I had to be fired four times to get it through my head that I maybe want to try a different, uh, you know, employment, right? I'm thinking of, um, you know, the craziness that I did in terms of trying to have a relationship with people in my family, but not knowing, right? Because before I did the steps, I didn't know how to have relationships with others. So I took hostage. I put down the food and stuffed you inside and then threw you up and threw up on you. Um, and, you know, people, um, I love how it talks about it. it's going to inform and comfort those who are, who may be or may be affected. There are many. And I think of the gift that this program of recovery continues to give me on how to make amends, right? Because I may be the only big book that somebody else um, experiences, right? And so I'm not perfect today. I know um, it's really shocking, but um, I am recovered for these 24 hours. And what I can tell you, what the promise is, is that my emotional sobriety has increased each and every day that I stay abstinent and work these steps. And the behaviors, and specifically for me, that's talking unkindly to others, thinking I'm better than or worse than and operating that way, have decreased in frequency, duration, and intensity. So that I was doing writing yesterday and I thought, you know, when I when I first came in and got abstinent, loneliness was the air I breathed and everybody around me experienced Katie the porcupine. 
And today, you know, when I do mess up, I have the words to go and comfort somebody. And how do I comfort them? By giving back their reality and saying, yeah, you know what? When I said that to you, I was being unmindful. And I deeply regret my behavior. And I want you to know that's nothing. There's nothing you could have done or not done to change my behavior. And I'm working on it. And this is my plan of action, right? And so I restore the sanity. People are like, oh, my gosh, you're giving, you, you know, you really were insane. And thanks for letting me know. So there's like a level of comfort that they get to experience along with me. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to give the impression that I, I continue to do lots of damage. Um, I, again, it's decreased in frequency, duration, and intensity, and how. Entire abstinence and working these 12 steps each and every day because where much is rewarded, much is expected. I'm so grateful to have the insight that I am, you know, I affect other people. And what am I going to do with the gift of my abstinence and sobriety today? Am I going to go towards God or the disease? And with that, I pass. Thanks so much, Katie. Okay, we have Pam um, followed by Chuck. And Pam, good morning. Good morning, everyone. This is Pam M. from upstate New York, recovering. Uh, you know, the first time I um, worked the steps um, through the program in my face-to-face -face meeting, I was like so many of, of you, uh, figured I would do it as lo long as I needed to to get to my normal weight. And, uh, you know, that, of course, didn't happen because, um, you know, God's looking out for me and God wants me to get recovered. Um, and, and, you know, I, I didn't want to accept that I have the disease, but I am, I am spiritually sick. Um, you know, this, this compulsive overeating, this food addiction, um, has affected my whole, um, my whole world, everyone that's ever known me. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm coming out of relapse, um, and I'm, I'm only about, um, 10 weeks in into my abstinence and I just worked my fourth step again and so um it, re it really brought to my awareness now that I worked through it with entire abstinence how angry resentful fearful suspicious impatient and distrustful I am and um you know this is this is somebody that you know wouldn't you would never think from the outside is that's their reality and I you know I do my yoga and my meditation every day um but i was missing this piece of the puzzle that i'm getting from the program and um you know and and i see now that um you know i thought i was high and holy but no the people that were closest to me suffered from my insanity the most especially my husband with my impatience my body morphing the way that it affects affected our sex life, my self-esteem, um, you know, we, these are things we don't want to talk about. It's uncomfortable. It's icky. It makes us feel uncomfortable. But, you know, I'm, I'm loving this program because in this program I can find people that I can so be so open with and be real with. And, um, you know, I'm gaining a spiritual consciousness and a relationship with God that I can understand now. And I can set aside everything that I think I know about human relations and and start over again. And I do say that set aside prayer multiple times per day and I and I need it because I'm I'm I have forty 
for almost 45 years of um, negative programming. So, um, you know, for you guys that are early on in this program, um, you know, it, it's even this morning, even before I start my fifth spot this morning I with my wonderful sponsor, um, you know, just getting all of this on paper is enlightening. I can see that everybody else in the world is not the problem and that I am, and it's a relief because I can't change everybody else. God grant me this morning to accept the things I cannot change, to accept that I cannot change everybody else in the world, but I can change me. And that's the best news. And um, the cherry on top is that I'm not alone, that I have a a community and um, I have a new relationship with my higher power. And I'm so very grateful. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Pam. Okay, we're going to go with Charles, followed by Christine, now batting. Charles. Good morning, Charles. My guy, Larry, thank you for your service, man. You do it so beautifully. <laughs> How you doing, um, everybody? Good morning. So um, this, uh, this thing is full of uh, chunky. It's chunky. But I want to drill down where it says, but not so with the alcoholic illness for it. There goes annihilation of all things worthwhile in life. Like things, some of y'all got books inside of y'all. Some of y'all got so much things inside of us. But, you know, and, and we ain't got to wait till page 52 to see these bedevilments, right, where it says misunderstanding. Even on the line, fierce resentment, financial insecurity, disgusted friends, employers, walk lives of blameless children, sad wives and parents, anyone can equip the list. This is the stuff that um, made me jump into this spiritual program right away. The misunderstanding that, that, that surrounds me on a daily basis makes me lock into this program. And, you know, just, just you're like, yeah, you may hear core 15 people share, and Vision is doing such a great job to open that up. But when, when I see all this misunderstanding and fierce resentment, I see fear in here. I, I break that spirit of fear because all y'all people waiting, in, in, like Larry said, uh, um, in, 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 the, in the bullpen, get up and, and stop swinging that bat. Believe me, there was mornings I sound stupid on here. There was mornings I said stuff I don't know what I'm talking about. I wasn't even on a paragraph. Study the text. It's an open book test. It is, Right? And if you got misunderstanding and fierce resentment and financial insecurities and disgusted friends and, and warped lives, if your life is let, – let me, let me say this and, and shut it down. I'm in a 12-step program, right? If I am not – back door. If I'm not humble, if I think that I'm a spiritual giant in here, right, um, then I'm not humble. And I, and I already played myself out with the ego, easing God out. So I want to hear y'all, man. I bind that spirit of fear. You got, you're good, you're good enough, and you're worth it. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Larry. Thanks, Charles. Hey, Christine, before you go, um, let me uh, um, say that it's a good segue here. So the next group up after Christine goes, you know, if someone's new, you know, we want to hear from you. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll take shares from people who haven't shared in the past couple of days, but if you're new, I remember being scared of Sharon, but it changed my program. Anyway, Christine, how about that for a segue? Good morning. 
I like that. Um, yeah, this is Christina, compul uh, recovered compulsive overeater from Florida, and I too was one of those people who was terrified, and even now I'm like still terrified, but I'm not terrified like I was before. So it does, it you know, it's the water's warm. Um, it's not that cold. Um, anyways, an illness of this sort, and we have come to believe it an illness, um, involves those about us in a way no other's no other human sickness can. And I remember when I first heard that, um, you know, compulsive overeating was an illness, there was a real sense of relief, um, that I was not an immoral person, that I was not bad or insane or crazy or lacked willpower, because I thought that I was all those things. Um, but in reading that, it was like God was speaking to me that, that I was not. Um, but then there was another thought that went through my head, and that and that thought was definitely not from God. Um, that thought told me, well, now you have a reason. Now you have an excuse. You can go keep on eating. And um, that I had, that I had, um, that nobody could blame me if I have a disease and stuff. Um, and I and I have another illness that requires, you know, medical treatment and stuff. And you know, people did feel sorry for me for that and um you know it was it was a lot of pain that I went through but um you know that's not been my experience with compulsive overeating um and thank god I didn't listen to that second thought that went through my that went through my head um it you know and I finally had the courage to surrender to the food I didn't surrender right away but I came in knowing that I was a compulsive overeater um you know, the food was not working for me. And I so desperately wanted to to stop eating. But, um, you know, it, the, the disease has stolen thir the first 37 years of my life, and it was, it was working on taking everything else of the last bit of happiness and joy that I had left, and even that wasn't even happy and stuff. Um, I had a lot of fears. And um, I don't know what else I want to say other than, you know, it's just it's not – it's not I was trying to blame I was trying to blame the disease on um, I was trying to blame the disease so that way I could keep on eating and what I what I know is that I had a choice I could you know take the the tools that were laid before me the, the spiritual tools the steps and I could use them and you know the first six five and a half years I didn't I didn't really do it perfectly I really only came in for the for the diet and stuff, um, you know, I just wanted to get skinny because, you know, I wasn't happy in my marriage and I wanted, I wanted certain things and I was that I wasn't getting and um, so I was, I, I just wanted to. There's so many thoughts going through my head that I can't even get them out. Um, I just wanted what I wanted when I wanted it, and I never thought that I was that way before. And like some other people have said, too, that, you know, I never saw that in my um, first fourth step. Um, you know, what I saw was what everybody else did. And I remember going through my first sixth step um, when I started to realize all my defects. I just couldn't handle it um, because because I didn't believe, I didn't think that I had any defects. I thought that I was just this perfect little person and that everybody loved me and, and um that there was nothing wrong with me. And now, like in the last few months, by working these steps, this last couple of months, um, 
I see how sick I am. And even though I've gone through all these steps and see what I've seen, oh, I just lost my thought. Anyways, um, I, I, I'm still seeing more and more and more. And, I, you know, it doesn't scare me like it did the first time through with the sixth step or the fourth step. It doesn't scare me. Um, but now I'm at a place where I get so much um, thrill, I guess, is the word I'm looking for, out of seeing what else I'm going to learn about myself. And that's all I have to say. So thanks for letting me share. Oh, thank you, Christine. Thank you so much. Okay, so if you haven't shared in the past couple of days or if you're super scared, like I am sometimes to share, um, I'd like to hear from you. We're on page 18, the first two paragraphs. Who would like to share? Beth W. Craig. Blanca. Did you get Melody H? Harley G. W. Ross Ross. Ross G. Okay, let's Karen stop K. with that. And we'll stop with Sharon. Okay, let me tell you who I have. Let me tell you who I have. I got Beth, Craig, Blanca, Melody, Harlan, Russ, Roz, Sharon. Let's see if we can get through everyone. Hey, Beth, it's your turn. Good morning. Hi, Larry. Thanks for taking um, my name. And um, I'm Beth W. from North Dakota. Um, Happy to be sharing this morning. And um, for all those baseball fans out there, the Brewers are on top. It's just awesome. Fine. Anyway, <laughs> um, an illness of this sort, we have come to believe it is an illness involves those about us in a way that no other human sickness can. And I, um, I, just, um, I just recovered from another illness that landed me in the hospital for four days and another week at home recovering. And and it's so funny, I, um, in my crazy thinking, I remember asking the doctor, like, how did I get this? Like, what, what could I have done different? And, and the same with um, this, you know, like, it must be my fault. I must be, you know, I'm flawed in some way that, you know, how can I be responsible? What did I do? You know, how am I flawed? And, and then everybody else around me suffers. You know, I, I, um, I just felt so responsible. And the doctor's like, you're sick. You got sick. We're going to help you. And the same with this, um, my compulsive overeating. It, it's not a moral failing, just like what landed me in the hospital is not a moral failing. I, got, I am sick and um, I'm a compulsive overeater. And so what I did in the hospital is I took the medicine they gave me and I followed directions to get better when I got home. And that's what I do here. I take the directions that have been given to me to, to, um, to recover, and, um, and I, I do that um, without fail. I, I noticed myself kind of slipping into half measures and having to get honest about that. And, and, you know, you can't take half the medicine. It's just it's an all or nothing kind of thing in order to be um, fully recovered. And, and I don't want to hurt the people around me anymore. I don't want to be that person who, who continues to be so self-centered that I, I had to stop at every um, roadside, you know, place to fill up my car with goodies. It didn't matter if my car needed gas. I needed, you know, I needed car snacks on every trip. I needed, you know, every restaurant. I needed to let, let's have this, let's have that. And the people around me are like, I, I'm full. I don't need that. And I'd say, oh, just share it. We'll share it. You know, because it was always about me. 
and I don't have to do that anymore. I can, I can just uh, you know, take care of what I need to do to fuel my body without, without dragging everybody else into my abyss. And uh, so that, that, you know, it's recovering from an illness. And I'm so grateful for a prescription that helps me, and, and it requires a phone call every day, and and uh, planning uh, my day as as the as the big book outlines on page 86 uh, through 88. You know, just asking God for courage and strength every day, and uh, and following directions for that for uh, God's will, not mine. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Beth. Okay, we go to Oklahoma, and then we go over to Blanca. Hey, Craig. Good morning. Good morning. How are you, Larry? Oh, um, good, good. Um, this is Craig F. Recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This what what a a perfect restatement of step one. This this paragraph, you know, we're 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 doing step one in the in the instructions. Uh, in, in reality, that's what this chapter is about. And this thing it perfectly restates step one, I believe, in a in a more expanded form. Um, because it's important to get our minds wrapped around this, you know, uh, not to just pay lip service to to the idea that okay, I'm powerless over food. And yeah, my last one. All right, I, I I'm not. Uh, I, it, this isn't a matter of moral turpitude. This isn't a matter a matter of my weak will. Um, this this disease isn't a matter of. Um, a matter of my uh, lack of discipline that, that maybe if I'd have gone to the service when I was younger and learned discipline, I wouldn't have, you know, those are the kind of stories I, I told myself that, uh, you know, that it was, it was just a, a lack of discipline. It was just a lack of, of, uh, of good moral character that caused me to, to, uh, to overeat and, and caused all these problems in my life. And the fact is, I have a disease. I'm powerless over food, and I I need to wrap my hands around that because the opposite of that is ego. It, the opposite of that is to say that I have the power. You know, I, I had the power. I'm powerful enough to to have conquered this. And as long as I believe that somewhere in me, in me, is the power to conquer this, then I don't accept the rest of the of the program. I don't except that spiritual way of life that's required for recovery. And so I'm powerless over food. I caused a lot of damage in that powerlessness over food. And 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 I have to make amends for that later on. I have to do what I can to set those set those things right. But I don't get to sit there and 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 take uh all that heavy responsibility. I am a sick man. I, I I was particularly a sick man uh, before recovery, and I'm still a, I, I still have uh, bends to my character. Um, and and but you know the good news is that there is a way there's a way out. The good news is that uh, I don't have to live in in step one forever. That I can take step one, and then I can go on and take the rest of the steps and find recovery and and correct as much of this as possible. So uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Craig. Okay, we got Blanca followed by Melody. Uh, Melody, Blanca, good morning. 
Hello. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. You can. Hi. Thank you. You're such a pleasure to listen to. Larry, thank you for your service. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> Where do I begin? Um, first of all, ditto to what everyone was talking about. Um, uh, the, the ravages of the disease and how I, what I'd like to talk about is how I never did think about how it would affect. I was so only thinking of what I wanted at the present, never a thought for what may lie ahead. And of course, ahead is now. <laughs> it, has, it has hit me. Um, uh, physical ailments, you know, that uh, I never imagined. My life is, is now run by you know, physical problems that I'm having. Um, as a result of carrying so much weight for so many years, I now am riddled with arthritis, you know, and and now I have grandchildren, you know, I never thought about that. And guess what? I'm not able to get down on the floor with my um, my little grandson and, and play, you know, and it, and it hurts because he'll say things like, come on down here, nanny, come down down. And he doesn't understand my knees are not, you know, little things like that. I mean, I work my way around it, you know, like, oh, Nanny will just sit here and and, and I'll play from, you know, <laughs> I have to come up with all these ways to get around it and, you know, but, um, and, and planning uh, the social events, you know, I have to kind of plan my, will I have a flare up? Will I have an arthritis flare up? You know, I'm not going to be able to travel. I can't drive in the car as long as I used to, you know, I just can't sit. Or, uh, okay, where am I going? Can I sit that long without my, my legs going numb on me? And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not, I just, I didn't want to, I wasn't going to share it because I didn't want to bring people down. But, you know, there are newcomers and they say that my experience may help others. So, and service is a, a good and, and, and healthy thing to do. So I thought, no, I'm going to speak up and, um, and, and talk about those things because I did not think of that. And uh, someone shared about, you know, barking at people and, and, uh, and having tantrums and constantly thinking, being, thinking everyone, the world was against me and um, all of these things that uh, this, this disease certainly ravaged, you know, in my life. Um, however, I, I keep coming back and uh, I try to, to keep humor you know, about it all. You have to have a little sense of humor in there. It even says in the big book, we are not a grim lot. So uh, the other day I was thinking, well, I was young, little girl. I remember just getting up in the morning and brushing my teeth and putting a brush through my hair and running out the door and going to play with my friend. Well, not so fast anymore. It's, uh, I'll get out the door, but not quite as fast as I used to, but I um I kept coming back. I am still here and I will continue um listening to all of you and keeping uh, my faith especially when it's the hardest times of all to do it. Um that's when I really need to be on uh, on my sound OA ground. And on that I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks, Blanca. Thank you. Okay, we got Melody followed by Mr. Cub. Melody, good morning. Hey, good morning, Larry. Uh, good morning, everybody. My name is Melody H, and I'm from Michigan. 
and this is my first time to share. Um, I'm new to a vision. Um, I've been in uh, working with my sponsor, I think, for a couple months now. I'm not sure. Um, but my experience coming into vision is that I did come in as an abstinent woman. And so I'm reading this paragraph, and I have the, like, so I'm reading this, and I'm, I'm saying, oh, okay, so there's two things. This um, misunderstanding, fierce resentment, financial insecurity, disgusted friends. For me, in my active addiction, there was never any question, like, okay, I see myself, I was a tornado through everybody's lives, you know. I was leaving work early if I if it was 10 a.m. and I needed to go home and binge, you know. Uh, if I binged through all of my money and at the end of the month I didn't have money to pay rent, I was asking, you know, people, exes in my life to wire me money so that I could, you know, keep my life together. So my life in my active addiction was doing all, all of this. Um, but then the other part of it is the, um, for, for me, is um, the... Um, what I, for me, it's not easy for my, me to understand untreated alcoholism. So it's the disease that it's the untreated alcoholism. That's the part that I wake up every single day, and it's another opportunity for me to turn my will, my life over to my higher power, and um, have that untreated alcoholism treated each day because untreated alcoholism causes it, it, it's even more because it's subtle because now I'm an abstinent woman right and now you know I can kind of show up and look like a normal person on the outside in many in many respects um and so it's even possibly even more confusing to my relationships and um to you know the people that I am involving in my life uh, and to myself um, because I think oh well you know now now I'm, I'm behaving, I'm not in addiction, and I am, you know, but unless I am, you know, constantly um, bringing all of this to my higher power on a daily basis and um, understanding that um, it is a disease. So even this untreated alcoholism, these ways that I am wrangling people into my um, into my confusion, um, you know, just for me, you know, not being aware and just reacting and not, you know, let's say sitting down and doing the writing and saying the prayers and, you know, just behaving unconsciously in my life. Um, those those ways that I wrangle people into my life and cause pain and confusion, um, that is part of the disease. And for that reason, I don't need to show up to myself each morning in a way, in a shameful way, because I don't get better through shame. Um, but at the same time, like I heard somebody else share previously, I show up with um, humbly, but with a responsibility. You know, like, this is what I'm going to do to the best of my ability today, God. And I know this morning that there's only so much that melody can do um so melody's going to show up oh thank you melody's going to show up and say the prayer and then god's going to come in with grace through all of you and um do the rest of the work so i want to thank you guys for letting me share and i'll pass thanks so much melody 
Hey, Roz and Sharon, I might have to get you guys in the second hour because we've got two shy guys coming up next. Um, we got Harlan followed by Russ. Hey, Harlan. Hey, Larry. Thanks for your service. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. When I read these paragraphs, these are very, very poignant, very important paragraphs to me, uh, especially the word fierce resentment. I didn't just get blowback from people because I was overweight. I got fierce resentment. I got hostility. I got violent resentment, sometimes in the form of physical violence, but more often when I got blasted by people, I got blasted by them from the toes. I was four, five, six, seven years old, and people were letting me know in no uncertain terms, young man, you are unacceptable, you are weak, you are lazy, you don't care about your mother, you don't care about your father, you don't care about your life. Fat boys don't get girlfriends. Fat boys don't get good jobs. Fat boys don't get to go to good colleges. Fat boys don't get to do this, and fat boys don't get to do that. Oh, and by the way, don't eat so much, you'll feel better. And when I didn't eat so much, I sure felt better. I felt anger better. I felt fear better. I felt jealousy better. I felt everything much better. And from the time I was a little kid, I absorbed this message. I absorbed this, and I believed that I was bad. I was unacceptable. And I was suicidal in my mind. I begged God for death. There is nothing I'm going to say this morning I haven't said on this line many, many times. I wondered often, even as a child, what string of prenatal felonies had I committed that had doomed me to a life where food and weight were the number one topic of conversation? And I saw my friends, and they would wear PF flyers, and they could jump higher, and they could run faster, but I couldn't. And I couldn't live like them. I couldn't look like them. And I believed that it was because I was bad. And I believed that it was my fault because everyone told me that it was, from doctors to the parents of my friends to the neighbors to teachers to administrators to you name it. You name it. This volume does inform and comfort me who, are, who is affected because this volume let me know that it is an illness. And then the people who studied the book with me let me know that they were with me in this. That they were afflicted mortally also, but they found a way out. I have a life today that's worth living. I'll never get back those decades of my childhood that were wasted on this illness. But I can live today. And I can live to the max today because of a book and because of the people that study it with me and trudge this road of happy destiny. I want to live, and I do live to the fullest because of this. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Harlan. Hey, Russ and Roz and Sharon, my apologies. I did not uh, calculate well. Was never good at math. I was a math avoider. Anyway, um, so thank you to everyone who has shared. What a fabulous meeting. Um, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. 
Let me give you the share ID for today, April 4th, 2019, the 7 a.m. meeting. That share ID is 12,743. That's 12743. And so um, we are now going to close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And would Gabriella G, does she talk yet, Katie? Can she read? She might be able to. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to support her in reading this morning. Okay. Just support her. Thanks. All right. <laughs> a, vi- a vision for you, big book, page 164, KDG Recovered. <clears throat> Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.